Welcome to the Worship Central podcast. We are passionate to see the worship and creativity of churches throughout the world set on fire. Join us as we explore what this might look like. Welcome to this month's episode of the Worship Central podcast and happy Easter to you. We're excited today to bring you part two in our mini series, The Reset. And with this episode, we have the privilege of interviewing Jeremy Riddle, uh, the author of the book, The Reset, which is resonating with, with people all across the globe. So sit back and enjoy Luke's interview with him. It's uncut, unedited, the full thing. Here we go. So great that people are joining in from <clears throat> from all over, and we've uh, we've been really excited about um, this session uh, for a while now. And Jeremy, just welcome. We're just so glad that um, yeah, you you can share some of your time with us tonight. Uh, Jeremy's impacted um, my worship journey for sure, and my worship leading. Um, and uh, so it's a personal um, highlight and uh, privilege for me as well. Um, as I'm sure it is for, for many of you and, um, just excited, really excited, um, for all that, um, is going to be shared tonight. Um, Jeremy, firstly, um, just wanted to, to kind of ask you, we, we've seen, um, those that maybe follow, follow Vineyard, um, Anaheim and, and what you guys are up to, we've seen that you, you've begun to, um, regather, um, the church, and um, into that gathered space of worship on a Sunday and, and gathering together in meetings. Just before we, before we kind of get into the book and some of those things, like what have you, what have you noticed? Like anything coming back feels different to you? Um, like what, what, what are you feeling we should take into this new season as we regather as a church in terms of worship? Like what are you sensing as people get back in the same room together as well and uh, through some worship? That's uh, so good. Uh, come on, just, hey guys, how are you? Um, I'll never totally get accustomed to teaching through this, this uh, medium, but and I don't probably have time to scroll through all 16 pages and see all your faces, but um, but anyway, it's, it's an honor to be here and just to get to share a little bit of the heart, um, stuff that I've noticed, um, for one, I, you know, I just probably should preface this and just say that our church, you know, chose, um, um, to, uh, probably the most honoring route you could take towards leadership and, and authority, um, um, uh, government uh, mandates, requirements. Um, and we, our doors were honestly closed for almost a year. So I think the initial challenge is learning how to lead people again. Uh, I got so used to an empty room and, uh, and at first that was challenging and then that was freeing you know, in so many ways. And so I think it's, it's kind of adjusting and adapting to people being back in the room, but oh my gosh, guys, we were not made to lead ourselves. I mean, we were made to lead ourselves in worship, but praise the Lord that we get to actually lead other people too. Um, that's been, that's been really, really beautiful. Um, and I think for those who, who survived the journey, like in our church, it was definitely a sifting year for, for a lot of people. Um, but for those who actually made it through to, to, the, to, to the reopening, there's, there's such a purity in, in the room. So I, I don't really have articulation for it, but there's a greater purity. There's a greater hunger. And somehow, even though the numbers are much smaller, there's a much greater sense of unity. It actually, the room feels fuller than it did uh, 
before when there was a lot more people. And I think that has something to do with just the posture of people's hearts and the unity, you know, that's there. And I feel like this is like one of those kind of carpe diem moments. It's a, it's a, it's like, we have seen the value of something. We've seen the sacredness of something. We've seen how precious something is. And it's like, let's not waste time being casual or indifferent to this anymore. Let's press in, like, let's lean in, let's lay hold of all that's available to us in this moment. And, um, and I think there's a greater purpose, there's a greater intentionality that, that I'm feeling. And also, I feel like there's going to be a greater freedom mm. um, as well as we step into it. So those are just some of the things I'm sensing. Yeah, amazing. Um, so let, let's go there straight away. You, you mentioned um, purity um, first off. And, you know, as Tim said, I think it's fair to say um, the book has, uh, has hit a nerve in a good way. Um, and, you know, we just, you know, want, want to thank you again for stepping out and being bold with, with what you feel is on your heart and what you're seeing. And, um, you know, tonight for sure, we just want to press in more to that and, um, and ask some questions around that. Um, so let, let's go in on, on the purity thing. Um, such a strong theme throughout the book. And, you know, I think you start by saying something can only be as powerful as it is pure. Hmm. And um, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of a drop mic moment in many ways, like, you know, kind of enough said pretty, pretty much from that. And, and we see, you know, as gold is refined in the fight. Is, is, there's, you know, um, more heat and more pressure, the more beauty comes. And there's, there's so many analogies, so, many, so much imagery we could think through. Um, I guess going straight in there practically, you know, so many of us on this call will be, worship leaders, worship pastors, people who, um, the, uh, the worship life of uh, the, the musical worship life of the church has, has kind of landed on us, whether we've intentionally kind of sought that or, um, it's where the Lord has led us or, or some of us on this call might just be like, Hey, I'm, I'm just <laughs> like the only person who can play an instrument, um, in this local church. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so wherever we're at on this call, like practically how, um, how have you seen a culture of purity established in, in, a, in a worship team, in a worship culture, um, particularly when maybe either uh, there isn't tons of resource, there isn't tons of training, or on the flip side, like where it's a big church where, where things are growing fast and there's a fast pace and all of that. So just maybe practically, first of all, like with, with team, how have you seen a culture of purity encouraged? Yeah, that's so good. Um, well, well, for one, I, 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 uh, I don't actually just encourage purity. I, I demand it. Um, it's, it, it's the bar that, that you actually must, um, step into it's at least the value that you have to bring the fullness of your life in alignment to um, if you're going to continue to journey with us particularly in the area of worship leadership and um, and whatever that may be whether that's musicians or or leaders or co-leaders or or that kind of a thing and you know i i I just want to share humbly because i i'm realizing that i have not always been a great leader and i'm still in the journey of becoming I, i feel like a a much better leader 
I realized that much of my, my life of leadership has kind of been more on the inspirational side of things, you know, um, and I've been called on, pulled on to be an inspirational figure, but not a real true leader. And leaders and inspirational figures are, are, are very different people. And, and you have to make much different um, choices uh, um, as a leader versus an inspirational figure. And uh, leading an actual community is different. Um, um, it's easier to just do the conference track and preach and inspire messages that instead of actually having to build that into the core and DNA of something. And so this has been something that's been very challenging to me, honestly. And um, one of the things I'm learning is, is I, I'm, I'm, it's not, I'm, I've never been terribly successful trying to wrap a series of values around people. It's like, hey, you, you, you have the goods, you have the expertise. Let me try and wrap these values around you. That, that's actually been a very frustrating experience. What, more what I'm learning how to do is see who among um, this group of people that, that's emerging is willing to wrap themselves around the value. And, and, and when I watch that, then I go, okay, there, there's something that we can begin to work with. And I think this demands clarity. This demands that you have a clear mission, that you actually know what it is that God's assigned you to do. And, and you're not afraid to walk in that. Um, you're not afraid to pay the cost of that. You're not afraid to pay the price of that because purity is costly. Purity is, is, is pricey. Purity involves a lot of no's uh, and, and, and involves consecration. Um, and, um, and ultimately purity leads to freedom, like glorious, beautiful freedom, but, but that process can be very costly. And, and, um, so I've had to learn to be, be very clear, uh, with, with the mission. And that's one of our core values is guys, we will be a people of purity, like, like, like period. And, and obviously there, there is a grace period for people to move into that, to begin to, um, again, we took over an existing worship community at Anaheim. And so this hasn't been like, you got to go from zero to 60 and, and, you know, a half a second flat. And, and you know, we, we have, we have tried to lead as graciously, but as clearly, you know, as possible. And one of the things I knew already about um, Southern California uh, church culture, uh, worship culture is that it was a, a somewhat compromised culture. <laughs> And I would honestly, just being totally frank, I think worship communities are some of the most compromised communities. Um, they're, they're, um, they can be really fiery appearing from the stage, but most people's, a lot of people's experience, however uncomfortable this is for us, but as they move closer, as they get past the stage and behind the closed doors of a worship community, a lot of times what they find is, is people's lives who are riddled with compromise. And, um, and they're not really walking, walking it out. And, and the truth is, is just, uh, well, I don't know how many cliffs to jump off here, but I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> but I, I, uh, the, the thing that, that I want to say is I, I think you have to, if, you, if you're going to practically lean into purity, you have to know um, the culture, the church culture, and what's common, what, what, what's acceptable. And you have to confront some of those compromises dead on. And, and I think coming into it, just some of the things, and this is going to seem to some people maybe petty, maybe legalistic, maybe you know, a lot of different things. But for me, I've watched these things tear apart worship communities. And, and so, and so I, I came in with, with a very clear thing of like, hey, guys, we're, we're this again, uh, forgive how this sounds, but I'm like, we're not going to be a swearing community. We're not going to be a compromised community. Um, we're, we're not going to be a closet smoking, vaping community. Uh, we're not going to be a dabbling in drug community. We are not going to be an over drinking community. We are going to be a pure 
um, all in for Jesus, um, living a holy lifestyle community. That's the kind of community we're going to be. And, um, and wherever you're at in that journey, um, there, there's grace for that. Whatever you need to begin to put a guard over your mouth, uh, grace for that as long as you're moving towards that. But this is where we're, we're going. Um, and, and this was, again, this was all stuff that was incredibly common. Maybe, maybe that's not common in, in, in the church culture that, that you've been, been a part of or, or, or that, that you are. But I just, like, we called it out. You have to be very specific. This is where we're going. And then you have to say, hey, I'm talking about this. Because sometimes when we leave stuff super, super vague, super ambiguous, and we don't actually call out actual compromise, um, no one really moves towards change. And um, uh, I don't know. You, I don't know where you want to take that, Luke. But um, I'll no, just, that's yeah. that's great. It's beautiful. Um, where with you mentioned it there. Like, where do you um, you know you've recognised it? Like, we're all on a journey, and we're all moving into greater freedom. Yeah. Where's the? I think someone once said, you know. Um, I don't know whether it was John Wimber, but I, th- I feel like his name often gets bandied around with this quote. So I don't know. I don't want to speak his name in vain. But um, someone once said, you know, intensity is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And how do you balance this, like, focused edge? You know, I feel like Jesus was, like, as savage as he was compassionate, you know. And how do you, how do you walk this line of this real focused vision of purity, which is so beautiful with grace for where people are at on the journey. I think of the worship team that we helped to pastor. I think of various people on the journey in that team, you know, how, how do you balance that? How do you get that right? Is, is there, is there an answer? I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, for, for one, I, I actually really appreciate that quote. Um, I think it also can be deeply misconstrued where um, where we where we, we, we don't lead with the 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 intensity of conviction that we're actually really supposed to lead in. And this isn't about being legalistic. Um, sorry, I'm just my screen's doing weird things. Last thing in the world, I, I, I could care less for religion or all these these kinds of things. Um, but I, I've learned. Um, particularly when you're starting something or when you're taking over something or, or you really want to build something, you have to build culture. And once culture is established, then culture almost becomes this, this powerful, potent thing that begins to do a work when you don't, you're not even preaching the message anymore, but it's beginning to happen inside people. But initially that journey to establish culture requires a focus you know, maybe intensity isn't the right word, but I'm like, guys, for one, if you're intense, be intense, <laughs> be, be who the Lord has actually wired you uh, to be. I think maybe the, 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 you know, some of the different ways is, is, is like, if you're trying, if you're striving, if, if you're trying to put on some kind of holy act, you know, for, 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 for people, knock that off, but, but be who God has wired you to be. Um, and I'm super grateful that not everyone's wired like me. I'm, I build a team that's not all wired like me because Lord knows we'd all kill each other but you know by the end of the you know our hangouts but but at the same time be released to be who god 
has called you to be and let the chips fall where, 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 where they, where, where they might. I'm not saying don't receive feedback, but don't be embarrassed to be you and to lead with the conviction that God has placed inside of you. It's going to be critical. Um, uh, and, and so, um, first of all, and then coming back to culture, I think there, there are different stages where you have to, in some ways, be a little bit more ruthless, uh, you know, in the beginning with what kind of people are going to help you build and establish that culture. Um, and, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from, the, you know, my pastor, this guy, Alan Scott. Alan Scott. He's really, uh, he's, he's got a, I have, heaven's wisdom. Like, he's just on his, on his life. And so, you know, and I, I don't know that this is the heaven's wisdom. He might have read this in a, in a business book or something somewhere, but, he's, but, he, but it rings true. And he said, it takes three years to build culture and three months to lose it. And, and I think there's, there's a lot to that. And initially in that journey of building culture, you, you kind of have to keep a real tight guard on, on what you let in and what you allow to influence. And then once that grows and once that takes root and once that soil has been really, really cultivated, then it will begin to grow like amazing things. And, and we, we maybe know this, maybe a better way to illustrate this is like when you have a band or, or, or a team, like how do you introduce the new bass player or, or how, how do you introduce the new musician? Uh, we all know it's a recipe for disaster to try and make a whole entire team of brand new musicians, you know, like your, 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 your go-to team. We generally, wisdom tells us that, well, if we, if we put the bass player with a really solid drummer and a solid team, if we build a solid team around the new person, they'll catch it. They'll, they'll be led by it. They'll be influenced and they won't sabotage the thing that we're actually trying to do. So I think it's really determining where's your culture at? What can your culture sustain with it without losing itself? And, um, and I think I've been more released because this has been something that we're still in the process of building and sowing and, and, and creating is that, uh, you know, I've had to be like, hey, maybe at some point we, we can start to unfold, you know, different people who aren't quite there, but, but they want to begin to move towards, begin to move towards that, you know. Um, mm. but, uh, but at this stage, it's been very important for us to be like, here is the bar, your heart, like that journey that, that you go on, you know, in this process is again, this is less about me just going, you're, you're, you're on or off the bus. It's, it's more going, what's the heart posture? If your heart posture is humble, teachable going, okay, I'll be challenged. All right. I'll move towards this. Then it's been like a green light, but if there's been resistance, just, you know, da, 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 just like, that's okay. There's plenty of church journeys you can go on. <laughs> like that will unfold you with where you're at. But the journey that we're going on demands this kind of heart posture. Um, and I think I've just had to be okay with just drawing that line, leading that way and letting mm. people either get on or get off. Yeah. Amazing. One of the things that um, I think really kind of bleeds from you, Jeremy, is this, is this love for the church as well. Love for Christ's bride. And strikes me that like, I mean, I can't remember a time where it feels like um, in so many ways the church is, has um, been under attack and, you know, leadership, some, some high profile leaders kind of messing up. And um, again, we recognize that none of us are perfect and we're all on the journey, but you know, it's, it's been like, it's been full on, isn't it? And um, kind of linking into this purity thing and, um, I love one of the markers that you talk about as a, as a worship performer is, is someone who has zeal for the house of the Lord. And I've noticed that 
and we kind of touched on it in our last podcast, but like there's this kind of sort of fascination with deconstruction of the church at the moment. And um, I just wondered whether you had some thoughts around how do you as a worshiper um, and as a worship pastor, someone who's cultivating a passion and pursue a purity for the Lord, um, how do you, how do you keep that zeal for the house of the Lord? How do you keep that zeal for, for the church, for Christ's bride and, in, and invite others into that kind of that wholehearted pursuit in amongst the lay of the land that we find ourselves in at the moment? Yeah. Um, that's a deep question. I, I think it's all about relationship with the Lord. I, it's not just a cop-out answer. I, I really do think it's when you get close to the heart of Jesus, I, I do believe he gives you a heart for the church. And, and I know this because I came into the, 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 the whole, my kingdom assignment, so to speak. I came into ministry as a deconstructionist. <laughs> I came in uh, literally starting conversations. I, I took a, I, for one, I was not on the career ministry career path. I was, I was trying to become an attorney or a rock star. Those were my two options. So I was, you know, pursuing a political science degree on the one hand, and then trying to make it uh, with, with my band and, and, and clubs in Hollywood and all that kind of a thing. And so, you know, uh, but it was this weird thing that the Lord used. It was this poly sci class. And all he talks is it was this book called Jihad versus McWorld. And somehow it just triggered this line of thought of how did we, how did the church become the church that I've known it? Where did we get Sunday school? Where did we get youth groups? Like how did the, the program and the structure of church emerge? Because it feels so out of alignment with, with the church that I see in the book of Acts and all, you know, that, that glorious conversation. But um but but I started it with with a with a youth pastor and um, and you know it's so interesting he listened to it and he and he acknowledged all the brokenness in the church but but and maybe like the Holy Spirit on him got on me but he I remember he broke down and he just said he says yes but w- would you love her with me like would you labor on her behalf with me like would you serve her. Um, uh, with me. And there's something that just got a hold of my heart. And as I began to move towards that and move towards Jesus, I, I found a love that I know is from the Lord for the church. Jesus loves his bride. He is, nothing has changed about what he's coming back for. He's coming back for a pure bride. He is coming back for his body. And, and again, I'm, I'm not talking about the program and all those things, but it is a people that he's returning for. And I've, I've learned to be a lot less critical as I've, as I've grown older. Maybe you don't, you don't believe me, but, uh, but, I, but I've learned to be a whole lot less critical um, about the church and even just some of the structures and, and the ways that those are actually moving people towards Jesus. However imperfectly they, they may be doing it, but the doors that they're opening and what they're actually accomplishing in people's lives, even though they may not be the ideal. Um, and so one of the things is, is just... How do you get a heart for, for, for the church? Well, you get it through Jesus. You get it in interaction with Jesus. You get it in his word. You get it when you get around him. Um, you, you get it as you read the New Testament. Um, and, and, um, and ultimately, he will give you a burden. You get it by asking the Holy Spirit to share with me the burdens that are on your heart. Share with me what you're passionate um, about. That's how you get a burden for the church. You come out of all the, the, the books and the narratives and the 
political, you know, uh, swamp that is so much of even social media and, and you get to the heart of God and, 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 and you go, show me what you care about in the earth. And I promise you, you will get a heart for the people of God. And uh, I don't know if that. Yes. Love, love that. Love that. A um, couple more questions on purity and, and then, we'll, then we'll move on. It's so good, Jeremy. Thank you. Um, one of the like striking phrases in the book that caught a couple of us like, whoa, this is, this is meaty. This is juicy. Come on. Is um, uh, um, what it means to, as you reference, um, as you, you say in the book, capitalize on the glory of God. And um, I think the, the quote that I wrote down is um, the enemy is trying to seduce a whole generation into the pursuit of its counterfeit to become a celebrity instead of a person who carries glory. Darker still, he is seducing a generation into capitalizing on the glory of God as a means to that end. And um, I mean, I've got an idea of where you're going with that, but can you just like unpack that a little more and share your heart of where, where that's coming from, what you're seeing, um, yeah, and just uh, just unpack that a little more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll do, I'll, I'll do my best. Worship carries a glory. It carries a glory on it. Um, it actually draws people to uh, his glory. Um, and there is a hunger for God that lives in people already. Um, and uh, there's a hunger to worship him. There's a hunger to know him. There's a hunger for his presence. Mm. But when we use that draw, that's already inherently there. When we use that draw to also draw people to ourselves, to also draw people to our events, to also draw, to grow our platforms, to sell our CDs, to, to do all of the things to make our ministry worlds work and profitable and successful. When we begin to utilize that draw, that glory that that's, that, that that's there when we begin to, I would say, misuse that 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 glory we we are we are in danger of capitalizing on his glory to build our platforms and that is something that that we have to be be hyper vigilant uh, against because it's so easily done and i think one of the dangers of marketing i, I would say in the church is marketing is is, is essentially particularly when it comes to spiritual things marketing is essentially just be it's the art of identifying a practical felt human need and basically creating a product to fulfill it and sell to it. And, and, I, and I think when we as the church begin to, to fall into that trap, um, uh, I, I think it, it, gets, it gets very weird and ugly very quick. And, and I'll say this, and maybe you can guide the conversation a little bit more. It, it's interesting. We, we're all aware of the, the story of Jesus cleansing the temple. And, and, um, and I, as, as I thought about that, I it's kind of like you just kind of ponder the, the intensity um, that Jesus uh, re rebuked that thing with. But I, I don't think he was rebuking the service to the people. I don't think he was rebuking the resourcing. The people, what, what he was rebuking is, is, is the business model, the profit-driven business model that was taking a need from, from people coming who were desired to worship God, who were coming to bring an offering to the Lord, and they, they saw an opportunity to make a buck, <laughs> essentially, and, and, and they utilized it uh, as such. And, and, and I, I, think, 
I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be speaking if I if I didn't see so much of that beginning to happen. And it, to, to the point, guys, I'll just be totally frank. It's happening at a degree that we we're not even conscious to it. It's happening so naturally uh, that that and everybody's it's, it's like that danger when everybody does it. Nobody sees what we're actually doing anymore. We're all kind of caught up in, 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 in the same thing. And it's um, I, we run the danger of like it's what's that old child's tale it's like the emperor uh, has no clothing and it's it's kind of like they just get duped the whole community gets duped into thinking that the emperor is wearing the finest clothes and it takes a kid a child that goes like he's not actually he's naked <laughs> and all of a sudden the whole community comes to their senses their eyes are open to the reality of the situation and they're like oh, he's had the emperor's actually naked and i and i think we 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 have to put a guard on this. Resources, I'm not, I'm not ant, I'm not saying we have to shut down our conferences and stop making worship music or any of that kind of thing. But do we have to watch that thing? Oh yeah, we, we, we really do. Because we, we are in danger. And guys, I know the vulnerability of this. I know the seduction of it. Like, I'm not coming, again, I've tried to make that so clear in the book. I'm not coming from like this high horse place. I've been seduced by it. I've done these things. Like, and, and, then, and then look back later and be like, oh, wow, I, I am building, like, I am, I've utilized this for this, mm -hmm. you know? And, and um, that's been the journey that, 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 I've, that, that, I've, that I've been on. And so I, you steer, steer it where you want, Luke. Yeah, no, that's, that's really great. I was going to ask off the back of that, you know, a bunch of us on this call, there'll be, there'll be young, um, young people on this call as well who, who have aspiration to, they, they believe the Lord's given them songs and they're songwriters and, um, and uh, you know, there's this passion to, to sing songs that they feel the Lord's given them and, and all of that. And, um, and many of us on this call have probably put music out there and to, to whatever kind of level of, of, um, of, uh, output and kind of reach and whatever, but how do you, I was interesting as well, seeing your, um, post on, um, you know, what we mass, what we celebrate matters. And it kind of links into this thing of like, how do you balance this whole thing around, um, anointing and favor, like what the Lord is, is on like a song that he wants, uh, to, to use, to communicate something or, or um, you know, without kind of, ah, I don't know, sounding, sounding weird about it. Like how, how do we, how do we walk that line of self-promotion versus, um, while I believe this, the Lord's given me this song to sing, I, I want to sing this song on Sunday morning, but I don't want to promote myself. Mm -hmm. This uncomfortability, you know, how do we walk that line? Like any, any tips, any advice on that? What, what, what I'm going to say is, is not easy. Um, uh, but, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, the question that you have to ask yourself is how dead am I to me? Um, and that will determine so much of your ability to walk in absolute purity. And I, 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 I want to give an easier, an easier answer. Um, uh, but the, the, the truth is, there is a death that we have to, we have to, there's a cross that, that we've been called to, 
to, to bear. And ultimately, uh, the journey that the Lord had to bring me on first is I kind of had to chase all the dreams. I had to, I had to, I had to run. I had a deep drive for significance, guys. I, I, I had, I was so thirsty for fame. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, I needed it. I, I, I couldn't live without it. Honestly, um, I had to do something of great significance. I, um, and I had to go through a five-year process of, of dying to every single one of those things. And actually, that was just the beginning journey. Um, but, it, but it was a thorough, thorough uh, journey in its, in its initial phase. And there was many other chapters you know, to that journey. But I'm just talking about the initial one. And the Lord brought me through this incredibly painful process of letting go every, every dream and getting to this place where, where I let all of it go so thoroughly. And like, and I just, and I, all I was left with is, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. Like I'm, I'm, I'm giving you actually my entire life. And, and I'm not going to pursue the things that I want. I'm not going to pursue the dreams that are in my heart. Like I, I'm giving you my entire life. And I'm actually praying for the very first time in a real way, your will be done. Not, not my will, not, not my dreams, not my ambitions, not anything that I want. Like your will be done through my life. You spend my life as you choose. I, I, I relinquish any say in the matter. And it was only in that place that I, that worship was kind of given back to me. In fact, actually, no one had to give it back to me. What was so weird about that season is in that place of absolute surrender, worship began to come alive for, 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 for the first time. And, and I, I think the question that I have to ask myself over and over uh, and over again, because the, the, the flesh is such an, is, <laughs> I've been reading this book called Intercessor uh, by Reese Howells. It's not actually by Reese Howells. It's, it's about Reese Howells' life. And honestly, um, I encourage you guys to just read people that, that were alive in the 1800s, 1900s, early 1900s. There's a faith that we have to relay hold of. Um, it doesn't, I honestly, it's, it's hard to find in modern day Christianity. And, and I, and sometimes I feel like what I'm talking about is absolute child's play in comparison to, to, to what Reese Howells had to undergo the process of purification, the dealing with self that he had to go through to receive the mantle and the authority, the spiritual authority that he ultimately walked in. And it was, a, a, you know, incredible. The, the, the magnitude of it is, is still the tremors of it are still felt in the earth today. But, but, I, but I do know this, and I also know that, that the message, the people that really need to hear this message sometimes are the last people that, that, uh, that really do hear it, <laughs> uh, the ones, and the, the people that are like already so dead uh, are the ones that are like, yes, I just must die more, you, you know, and actually I would say, no, you actually need to, you need to step out and be faithful with what God has given you. And so this is something that everyone has to walk through individually in, in, you know, in their heart. But I will tell you, selfish ambition, mm. the, the root of selfish ambition, what is rooted in yourself, in the ambition that lives in you, in your flesh, will never produce anything good for the kingdom of God. And until you deal with that ambition, and you can look at your motives, because that's what the Holy Spirit deals with. He deals with motive. He doesn't correct behavior. He's dealing with something much deeper, and he's going to the heart of your motives. And, and he's going like, 
And when you can look deeply inside of yourself, am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this literally in servitude of, of, of Jesus? Um, then, and if you can answer yourself truthfully, you know, um, um, in that, and maybe, uh, again, that, that's, uh, no, I'm not going to lessen that. I, I, I think those are good questions to, to ask um, ourselves that. What I don't want to see is a whole bunch of people that stay perpetually locked up in insecurity and just constantly analyzing their motives, you know, uh, to death. We all need, this is why we get to do this in community. Um, I, I encourage you um, to process with people who are wise and are able to really see your, your heart and call this out. I really do think community is really the only way we, we actually really walk this through. But I, but I, but I, and, and with the Holy Spirit, of course, but we have to deal with ambition. And the more, and the more ambitious you are, the more you got to let the Lord do, do surgery <laughs> uh, on, on that, on that, part of your part of your life because when you have truly died to yourself and the life that you live is really unto the lord really unto his glory really you you don't care if he sends you to zimbabwe or whatever you know it doesn't actually really matter like you'd go anywhere in the world for him when when that is it, it it's like almost at your liberty it's like is 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 boundless um, but, but if you don't deal with the root of selfish ambition in your life and, and you don't put that thing on the altar, it will kind of, in a way, continue to corrupt everything that, that you do. And, and by corrupt, I just mean subtly sabotage, taint, and keep what's inside of you from actually truly having the impact it was designed to have. Mm. Mm. Man, that was long-winded. No, it's so good. Um, I'm going to move us on to the, to another theme now. Um, which is, um, I love this phrase that you have uh, around being wholehearted. And um, you've kind of naturally taken us there anyway. So it's like we rehearsed this, but we didn't. Um, you talked about prayer and um, this hunger, um, reading, you know, intercessors. And um, it's in interesting, it feels like, there's more revelation that is to come from, from the ages. Um, yeah. And um, you, you mentioned it in the book, this link between worship and prayer that, that, that like the most kind of um, uh, almost the, the purest, um, pa most passionate worship leaders that you've kind of come into contact with. You've seen, um, you've seen the pattern that they've been burst in the prayer rooms, they've, they've spent time in the prayer rooms. They've really um, kind of done that business with God as it were, and are doing it. It's a, obviously a continual thing. Um, what maybe just practically, and then I've got another question I'd love to ask you, um, even practically, cause I know it, it's kind of, everyone's on a different journey with this and, and hopefully prayer is a pursuit that we're just going after for the whole of our lives. But what one thing has maybe, um, changed or accelerated your prayer life recently that you've, you've found like, okay, this has been a, a catalyst for like more depths with the Lord in, in terms of prayer and how is that related to your worship life? That's so good. I, I, my screen froze for a little bit, so I, I missed bits and pieces of that, but um, I, <laughs> the value of prayer, uh, for one, um, I have, this has been a weakness, like my entire, <laughs> uh, 
uh, Christian slash ministry life. I've always felt a burden. No, I should be praying more. Um, and uh, it, it hasn't ever been a real, a real strength um, for me. It wasn't really until um, uh, God actually began to do something in my wife um, in the area of prayer that, that uh, this really began to, to come alive. And I, that come alive. And honestly, I come from a, a rich history of prayer. My dad is probably one of the most incredible men of prayer that I've ever been around. And I don't know why it's like those seasons where all of a sudden you come and you just see something on a person and you go, oh my gosh, that is what is missing. That is what has been missing in my life. That's been what has been missing in the worship community is this discipline of prayer, knowing how to pray. And when you get around people, because we're not talking about like the ability to script something beautifully together. Ultimately, prayer is just someone who is regularly with God. And if there's one thing that, that we are in desperate need of, um, uh, that the world is so hungry for, that our people that we minister to are so starving for, they're starving for, for someone who has actually been with the Lord, that carries the atmosphere of Jesus, that, that carries like the, 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 the fragrance. Um, and it changes you when you give yourself to prayer, when you give yourself to communion with God. And there is something that begins to grow inside of you that begins to change everything that you do in worship when you learn how to begin to pray. And, and, and it's, you're not learning, again, like, like a, a, a way of wording something. You're learning how to, how to let the groan of the Holy Spirit move through you. And, and, and when you begin to feel that and connect with that and learn how, how, how to let him literally labor and intercession through you, that changes everything about how you minister and how you, how you, how you, how you do life and, and especially how you lead. And so mm. for me, I'm still working on this. this. I can't say this is necessarily a strong suit, you know, yet I've had to learn to just be really, really intentional. Um, with literally taking set time to pray, not like on the go, not, not in preparation only, you know, obviously I've done all those things that typical leaders do, but literally like, okay, I'm going to just go out and pray now in a field or whatever. <laughs> like I'm going to learn how to do this, uh, you know, with the Lord. And, and I tell you what, also, if you start a prayer meeting, you learn so much about prayer. <laughs> You learn all the, you learn so much, uh, and and you learn you get to see. It's kind of like you can have all these ideas about yourself as a worship leader, um, watching someone else lead worship, and then you get up to lead worship, <laughs> and it's a totally different story. And I I really do feel it's it's like one of those things. But I've also noticed that when people are raised in a place of prayer, when they're raised around a community that knows how to pray, the way they lead is just a whole nother level. And I've watched this over and over and over again. I also am convinced that prayer um, uh, is the boiler room, like an atmosphere of learning how to minister to the Lord is the real boiler room for songs, um, for, for downloads. Um, it, it's where I get so much revelation from the Lord. I get so much revelation into how I'm supposed to lead, where I'm supposed to go. Uh, it, it, is, it, is, it is a ripe atmosphere for just the, the voice of, of the Lord. And, and um, anyway, I could, I could, I could go, go on and on, I think. But I feel like 
so much of what I want to produce in life. Um, I, I, I mean, I could say I, I, I want to produce some of those glory filled records out there. But the, but the thing about it is what I've realized is that if I want to write a song of glory, if I want to you know, create a record of glory, what that requires is, is, is a life that's full of glory. It requires greater life. It requires greater living. Like it's, it's not just if, if, we, if we nail uh, uh, a little better lyric than somebody else, or we have a hookier uh, melody than, than, than somebody else, what, what, what a song that carries the atmosphere and the weight of glory. It requires a life that's been immersed in, in, in glory. It's songs that carry the weight of heaven require an atmosphere. And some of the, the thing is, is I feel like... Um, we haven't even really kickstarted our creative community yet because the first assignment is to create an atmosphere where his presence is, is felt because un until we can get to a place where you walk into a room and you feel the presence of God, the songs that are really want to birth, they won't come, you know, they won't come in our writing sessions as much as we're trying to dutifully steward those. They're only going to come when there's such an atmosphere of glory that we have cultivated that, that it's going to birth that and release that in prayer Prayer that 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 sacred discipline of just being in the presence of God without agenda and learning to flow um, in, in His presence, um, particularly prayer as it connects to worship, is just something that that that's the soil that we're growing. Because I know this, and I don't have all the fruit that I would like to show for it, but I know that I know that I know kind of a thing. That if we cultivate this soil, if we if we, I can actually get a worship community that is a praying community we will produce some of the most beautiful, powerful, creative works mm. uh, because it's the soil that truly grows um, the, the, those other works. And so, uh, man, I just rambled a bunch there, but hopefully. There's um, so good. So good. Um, linked to, to this and, and maybe we're, we're probably coming into land, but <clears throat> um, you know, in those atmospheres that you're talking about, um, I think we're all probably quite hungry to encourage um, and cultivate atmospheres where when the spirit of God is really leading us, anything can happen. Hmm. And um, so in that sense, <clears throat> it, that requires risk, doesn't it? And hmm. not to be fixated on production, <clears throat> incredible arrangements, or excellence being being a driving force, and and obviously we recognise that none of those things are potentially wrong in themselves, but kind of put out of place uh, in terms of matching up to the glory of God Himself. Uh, they just don't; they're not going to suffice. Um, linked to this this atmosphere thing of prayer and worship, and this this cultivating of the heart. How do we practically create more space for risk? How do we practically go after that thing more? Um, and where, where it might feel countercultural and where it might feel like, because I guess, I don't, this is not turning into me speaking, <laughs> but um, I, I guess we, we've... Um, We've recognized even in ourselves, probably as worship leaders, somewhat of a, an inner boredom, if we like, if we, if we could put it like that, in, in the sense that we've realized 
maybe we've been a bit slow here, but just like nailing some great arrangements and getting it sounding and looking great with, with all the stuff will never be enough. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, <laughs> back to you, Jeremy, how, yeah. how do we, how do we create space for risk and to go after that? It's, it's a good question. Um, for, for me, I'll just frame it this way. I, I don't think this is really about us making space for, for risk so much as the value is we have to rightly exalt obedience to the Holy Spirit as one of the highest values, if not the highest value, a worship leader or a follower of Jesus could embody. Um, uh, we, we don't take risk for risk's sake. We're not just risky people, <laughs> you know, as, as, as Christians. And we're you know, like, I'm bored. Let's jump off a cliff. You know, let's, let's do something daredevilish. Like that, that's, not, that's, not the, that's not what it means to actually take risk. Risk should only be celebrated if it's connected to obedience. Obedience um, it, it is the value that we actually really need to learn as, as worshiping communities. Risk is just the thing that we have to do in order to execute obedience. Um, and and I, I think uh, it, it's really important that we, that we frame it that way because um, uh, if you just take a risk in a set because you think it could be fun, it could be, be disastrous and there's nothing there to celebrate. The, the, the risk that... The, the, first, the first discipline is we want to be a people who are spirit-led. We want to be people who have not only been brought to life by the Holy Spirit, but people who are led by the Holy Spirit. And we've heard that quoted. And guys, I know like all, 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 all the sermons and, and, and the mental, uh, we, we, we bring verbal assent to something that we literally know very little how to do. And, and if we were to really give ourselves over to what it means to be fully led by the Spirit, oh my gosh, we have not seen a hint of deconstruction <laughs> in comparison to the kind of deconstruction of, of, of a life that's truly led by the Holy Spirit. And, and this is something that I'm deeply passionate about. I would say if my worship leading was broken up into two different eras, if you could, if you could literally describe it like that, one was where I had zero understanding really or, or any kind of intentionality when it came to following the holy spirit and the second era would be where i really gave myself to trying to follow the holy spirit to the best of my um, ability which i still feel very much like an infant but even the little baby steps that i've taken towards us have radically altered worship leading for me forever and there really is no going back to the plan and the program and here's four songs that i thought were a good vibe and and the transitions and, and this is all cool and great um I, I can never go back to being satisfied with that anymore because i've seen all of heaven break in through obedience through 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 listening to the holy spirit and and going like okay lord and I'll just share like a, a, a little simple story, not because it's about the formula, because that's always the danger when it comes to the Holy Spirit is we watch people who are full of Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit, and then we try and imitate what they do and not the lifestyle. This isn't about a formula. This is about a lifestyle. And a lifestyle is something at, at the very core of you. And I didn't learn how to follow the Holy Spirit just through worship sets. That might have been the, the beginning gateway. But, but the only way that it began to expand and grow is when it became down to my finances, how I raised my kids, what, what it, you know, the choices for vacation, like all of that. Like when it comes, mm -hmm. learning to follow the Holy Spirit is about learning to submit your entire life, that your day-to-day -day life before the Lord and, and, and you're just basically like, you're, Lord, you have an open invitation. You, ask, you learn to ask questions in everything that you do because your highest value is to be someone who's being led, led by, by, by the Holy Spirit. 
figuring this out for, 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 the, for the first time. And, and we were, I was brand new to Bethel Church brand new to the, to the thing. And we, they did these things called leaders advances instead of leaders retreats. They thought they'd flip it up and be like, we're going to advance leaders advance. And so they do these leaders advances. It's essentially, it's a pastor's gathering. It's a leader's gathering. And if any of you have ever tried to lead for pastor's gatherings or leader's gatherings, you know that those are the worst gatherings. You never want to lead for those gatherings. Uh, you never want to lead the people who run the program uh, in the program. Uh, it's brutal. So, um, and, uh, and they, yeah, so all, all the gimmicks and tricks of the trade that we can learn, they just really don't work with pastors. But, um, and also, I, you know, it's like, it's high level environment. It's, it's world leaders, you know, that are there. This is not a time to, to, to take risk. But I remember joking around in, in rehearsal and I did the cheesiest thing any worship leader, particularly in, in the, the, you know, 90s and 2000s could do. And I led a U2 song <laughs> during rehearsal. And, and I, I played, um, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And it was weird. I wasn't doing it intentionally. I was just kind of messing around while the band was setting up. And, and it was funny, but when it got, when it got to the chorus, instead of singing, um, um, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I sang, you are all, you are all that I've, I've been searching for, looking for whatever I said. I don't, I don't totally remember. And I remember something happened in that moment. I, I, I felt something land. I just, that little way that, 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 you know, that, that there was more to that than, than just, you know, singing something randomly. And I immediately had this impression of like, um, there's going to come a moment where you do that in this service. I had just, I, I, I can't articulate it because it's, it's like an impression. And I immediately was like, absolutely not. You know, this is not a youth conference. This is not a free environment. This is, I am not leading that song. Like, you know, and I just like you know, stuffing it down. And on the set went great. It was it was going well, but it wasn't. Uh, it, it was it was just going well. And and we get about forty minutes, forty five minutes in, and and I'm just sitting and I, in between songs, and I know the next song I can go to, and I'm there, and I have this terrifying realization that I'm being invited to lead that song, <laughs> and um, I can't describe like the tremble like in, in my spirit. There's nothing inside of me. Is, I was like, this is cool and it's gonna go amazing. <laughs> like uh nothing and and it was like okay and again i share this because this isn't about the song this is about the obedience i don't think the holy spirit the holy spirit would have landed on like mary had a little lamb i think what he was teaching me is obedience and and so i'm like okay i'm just gonna do it before i could change my mind i just like i have climbed highest mountains i have run through the field you know and i just start out on the song and it's like one of those moments is so much more terrifying after you start because the room went dead quiet. Like, I mean, I couldn't have gotten more quiet for a pastor's gathering, but it got much quieter still. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're in it now. And I'm, I'm new to the environment, guys. I'm like, I'm fired. I'm done. I'm dead. Uh, you know, all the things, but I was just in it. So I'm like, okay, just, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to be faithful. And I got all the way to the course and I just said, you are all, Lord, I've found, I've found what I've been searching for. You are all, you are all. I'm looking for and something I can't describe it. There was like a moment of pause. And then it was like all of heaven broke loose. And, and the meeting just exploded. Like I could cry. like, and I, and I, you know, it's funny. I was talking about Redmond and he had a very similar experience and we could go through story after story after story. Again, it's, it's, it's not, it's not about 
I really don't think it had anything to do with the song. It was like the Lord testing heart going, will you be obedient to me, though it will cost you, though it will cost you reputation, though it'll make you like, like, and every true risk that I've taken could have gone like in my head, I'm analyzing it going like, this is not good. This is bad. This could, this is very costly. <laughs> and, and I've just learned how to push beyond that and step into it. And those guys, those moments, if you, if we are hungry to see the spirit of God, do what only the spirit of God can do. If we're hungry for something more than as Francis Chan called a man-made wave, <laughs> I, 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 like a, a wave that we know how to generate with the power of our songs and our musical you know, production, if we are hungry for heaven truly to break in, it will only come through obedience to the Holy Spirit. That is the highest value. That's the thing that we champion because we know the fruit. When we follow him, we get the fruit that only he can bear. Mm-hmm. And so that is, that is what I want to champion. And we so much practical stuff that I've learned and I just all share just like real quickly a couple of things I've learned to just sow seeds and see what grows. Okay. So um, particularly in an environment that's not used to this kind of thing, Bethel was very different. You could jump off a cliff and recover some environments. You can't really do that. Um, and, and so I've learned how to sow a seed. So I'll feel an impression from the Holy spirit. I'll feel a chorus idea or, 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 or just, or just something along those lines. And I'll just sow a seed. I'll come to a down moment and I'll just sow a seed and I'll see if there's any life. I'll see if there's anything that springs up. And if there's nothing that happens, I just go like, okay, I did it. I was faithful. I planted it and I'll move on to, to, to the next song in my, in my set. But what I find oftentimes is when you're faithful with that little seed to plant it, something does spring up. And they're like, oh, this is worth cultivating. There's, there's a little bit of life on this. And so I'll, I'll sing, uh, you, know, you, you know what, again. And there have only been a few times where I am, it's a different kind of conviction. It's, it's like, no, I don't care who goes with me. I know, I know that I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And it doesn't matter if the whole room leaves or stays. Like, but those moments are very rare. And mostly she sees little impressions where I'll sow a seed, see what grows, and then see how far to take it. And all my band knows that I'm very cautious with my band. I'm like, don't, don't, don't be eager to join me <laughs> too, too soon. Uh, okay. Cause I might just, just kill it. Like I, I might sing a couple choruses. And if you start, start coming in, I might just be like, no, 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 we're, we're, we're not doing this. We're not, you don't have to overcommit to a moment. You, you commit to the degree that you see, oh, there's life on this and that's evident. So that's one practical thing I'll share on that. So good. Oh, um, we're kind of out of time. So um, I'll, I'll ask one more question and then just be amazing to ask you to pray for us, um, Jeremy. But um, maybe as you look around um, <clears throat> the nations and obviously pre-COVID, <clears throat> you were doing a, a fair bit of travel um, in terms of, um, you know, being a part of some amazing movements and prayer and worship movements around the yeah. world. And Come on. Just what, um, I know COVID's like, gosh, throwing so much up in the air, but are there, are there any senses that you've kind of been, been getting? Is there anything you're seeing looking around at the church, different movements that, that you're like, wow, I'm really, it's really inspiring and I'm really encouraged by that. And is there anything that you, there's, I think there's 40 nations represented on this call even, you know. Yeah. Is there anything that you're just sensing or feeling the Lord say? Uh, so much. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, that's a crazy question to answer. 
Let me just say, let me just speak into a season because maybe this will be helpful to some of you guys. Um, I was reading in Proverbs and I've, uh, it says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, uh, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. And I'm, I'm not saying that um, all itinerant ministry is a worthless pursuit, but I, I, I do want to speak into the whole dream of, of itinerant ministry. And, um, and some of it is, it's just, I think we've created a model that I, like that's the pinnacle that that's 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 the epitome of where where we can arrive as worship leaders. We get to the point where we get to travel everywhere and play play at events. And I've done that, and and I'm so grateful for that exposure to the body of Christ. Maybe it was probably honestly more of a benefit to me than than even the nations that I ministered into, because there's nothing quite as faith building as going to another community anywhere in the world and going, oh my gosh, the name of Jesus is praised here, and you get a glimpse into what God is doing in the earth. It, it just it changes your faith. It changes the way you lead when you truly come in contact with the fact that this is a global thing. This isn't a Western thing. This is a global thing. People love Jesus all over the earth. And, uh, and, and that's deeply moving, but there's been something about that thing of just having the Lord uh, again in this season. And it just turns out that COVID was just the, the, the best opportunity to really begin to work the land that God had given us. And I just, I, I feel that, that thing. And again, if you, you know, there's a part of my calling that will continue to have an itinerant piece to it and all that kind of a thing. But I'm so excited to be rooted and, 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 to, and to go deep and, and to make the land that I have profit. Because honestly, guys, so much of worship culture, um, itinerant ministry won't really birth the thing that moves worship forward. What, what will continue to move worship forward is the soil of what we're able to grow, the richness of our own communities and and. And in that history, in that place of, of where, where we, whatever victory we lay hold of in our local environments never stays just our victory. It always becomes the church's victory. But, but we have to like take, we have to take territory in our own communities and our own cities. That's the testimony that really moves forward is what, how is worship breaking out in Birmingham? You know, like, like how is worship breaking out in Anaheim? How is worship being moved forward, you know, into these things? And I, I just feel like the Lord has pulled me back to some of that thing, but um, I'll just, that's too long of, a, of an answer for that. But the thing that I am seeing over COVID and over all these things, the thing that I have been most encouraged by, it's not even the charismatic, passionate response. Like the last event that I did pre-COVID was I led two stadiums in Brazil. They, they filled three stadiums in one day. Um, um, there's 150,000 people total that, that gathered together. I got to lead for two of those and it was bonkers, you know, um, worship in Brazil is at a whole nother level. And, uh, and, and it was wild, but you know, what's so interesting to me about that is it's, it's even that hasn't moved my heart so much as when I see a church that is willing to repent and return to the Lord and in, in, in the areas that, that they, that they go, Oh, we, we've missed it. We we've, we've missed the heart of this. We we've missed the true richness. We've missed actually what discipleship is all about. We've missed how to truly follow Jesus, how to walk with the Holy spirit. And, and we are hungry. We, we and I feel what, what I feel in so much of the churches. I, I, I go, Oh my gosh, the, so much of the church has heard the wake-up call, and there has been a wake-up call, and they've heard it, and they've been like, oh, Lord, take us, use us. Like that. We've, They've re-entered into to places of consecration, and there's been deep hunger and deep purity that's beginning to surface again. And I get, I get great joy out of that, because I know that repentance and returning, I know what it produces in the body of Christ. And if we can, and if, and if we can see that in the, the areas where the Lord is dealing with and addressing us and respond 
uh, by repenting and returning with our whole hearts to the Lord, guys, all of heaven breaks loose. That renewal that we're longing, times of refreshing, the rain that we're longing to see. It's never fun to go through those seasons, but all oh, the rain that follows make them seem like a, a, a temporary, trivial uh, moment of affliction. And there is glory that, that is going to break out in the church. And we are going to see the church's best days. They really are ahead of the best days for worship are, are ahead of the church. The most vibrant, pure, radical worship is about to break out on the earth. Um, and that stuff, man, encourages me to no end. Come on. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, <clears throat> hey, um, Zoom's weird. Like we know that. Okay. But um, let's just, just pray. And we just ask Jeremy just to pray and, uh, just believe wherever you are in the world right now Come on. that the Holy Spirit is going to meet with you in your in your room. Why don't you just, just a physical posture, just a difference that you can um, just take up, whether it's standing up or just holding your hands out, whatever it might be. Why don't you just begin to welcome the Holy Spirit into your room as he's he's already there. He's he's already been speaking to us tonight on this call, but just open up your, your posture, just Get ready just to receive what the Holy Spirit's going to um, speak in. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come. Yeah, we do. Welcome you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray you would do a radical work. I thank you that you've begun a radical work in each and every one of our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you'd see it to full completion. Full completion. Hmm. I pray, Lord, I... I I'm coming to learn so much about the Holy Spirit in, in this season and, and how much where he waits for that access, he waits for that permission to do whatever he wants. And Lord, we just, we fling wide the doors of our hearts and say, you, do we, we want to see Jesus glorified more than he has ever been glorified on the earth before. That is the burn in our hearts. We want to have a heart for the church, Lord, that, that we want to have that zeal that you burned with. We, we, we want to walk in power. We want to walk in real spiritual power and real spiritual authority. We want to be people who carry your glory to, to, to such a degree that, that it transforms the atmospheres um, that we're in. Lord, we want to see souls saved. We want to see salvations break out. We want to see deliverance of, of demonization and sickness and, and brokenness of every manner and kind happen when we step up and we engage in this precious, sacred, um, world-changing thing that is the worship of the living God. This is what we're hungry to see, but we also recognize our utter inability to accomplish this in and of our own strength. So we're saying, Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Have your way in us. Do what only you can do. We promise to do our part, which is to be obedient, no matter what the cost. Well, we, we, we decree in our hearts right now, we decide here and now that we are a people who will follow you no matter what. We will do what you ask us that you are on a mission to see Jesus glorified and, and you are the one that will actually empower us to do this. So Holy Spirit, come and have your way in us. Do <laughs> in our hearts, Lord, do what only you can do. Come upon us in a mighty way for the things that you've called us to do. You know how you've wired us. You know what the songs are still left inside of us. You know the creative works better than, better than we know them and you know how to pull them out of us. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives and in each and every person on this call. And I pray this. Yeah, we say this to you with our hearts, wide open to you. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Well, what incredible insights. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, as ever, subscribe, give us a rating and look forward to you joining us next month. Bye.